y'all tonight. It's going to be pretty short. But first of all, I want to give honor to Pastor and Brother Alex for having me up here. I'm very honored for them to have me to do that. And then, i got to catch my breath after that last song. <laughs> okay. I know it sounds a little funny, but it's true. Okay. And then we're going to go to Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together and took his journeys into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and sent him in his field to feed swine. Still catching my breath. <laughs> and, he would, oh God, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I will perish with hunger. I will rise up and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on him and kissed his neck. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robes, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again, and he was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. So tonight I want to speak to you guys on a simple subject, he's still waiting. So... Y'all may be seated. <laughs> Little new at this. So this focuses on a son and a father who the son decided he just, I guess, wanted to leave. He wanted to be independent and he wanted to go. But that's not where I'm focusing this evening. I'm focusing on the father because he stood there every day and he waited for his son to come home. And there can be times in your life that you just, you feel alone or you just want to leave from God or you're just done with it. Or sometimes you're just caught in the motions and you're just, you're done. You don't want to do it anymore. So you leave. But in those times, God is waiting. He's at the end of the road and he's saying, come home. I'm waiting for you. He's telling you, I want you to come home. My son, my daughter, come see me. So no matter how far you've gone or how lonely you feel, God is there and he's waiting at the end of the road. He wants you to come home. can be seated. 
bear with me? Give me just one moment. if you'll turn to your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and I'm going to be reading verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him you may be seated Um, I was sitting where was I sitting at I was sitting somewhere. I think I was at work. I was at work sitting somewhere, and I was just staring at a sign, and I was just sitting there, and I was thinking about everything that the world goes through and stuff and what I'm going through, and the Lord gave me a message and told me to speak about where is the rain. So tonight, I want to speak on where is the rain. There was a story that I read about two farmers that would wake up every morning and pray for their crops. I mean, pray for rain for the crops. They would eat breakfast and get ready for the day and pray and pray. One of the farmers would go out on his tractor and till his soil, and the other did not. They would both go out and buy seed, and they were even blessed with a cheaper price. Both ended with dinner and more prayers of rain and ended the day with thanksgiving for what they had. It turns out that it finally rained, and when it did, one farmer had a great crop while the other didn't because he didn't go out and get his crops ready, even though he had the seeds. One farmer was happy, while the other was not. You want to know why the farmer got the chance to be happy after praying upon prayers and working, trying to get the field ready so when it did rain, because he had so much faith that one day the Lord would answer his prayers for rain, and he did everything that he could to do to have a great crop at the end. I relate this story to my message because I feel like we've been in a drought and we are at a dry place where we need rain. Now, I'm not talking about actually raindrops coming from the sky, but rain. God, let it rain, O oh Jesus. Lord, let the gates of heaven open and pour out your spirit, O oh God. That type of rain is that we've been needing for a long time. I'm transparent enough to tell you that I believe our church has been in a place where it feels like we are, are too comfortable in church. What I mean by that is that we either don't feel, don't feel the spirit of God anymore or we feel the spirit, but we don't get out of our comfort zones and do something in the spirit and do what God wants us to do. I believe that it is because that we are not taking prayer serious enough. We're not praying for powerful services. Even myself, I can say that I'm not praying enough for these services that we are having. We aren't praying enough as a whole. I'm not trying to throw shade to anyone in the church or say say anything to be rude, but I believe that we come, we come to church thinking it's just a regular day and act like it's just a meeting, and it's just not a meeting. It's more important than a meeting, but I can tell you that it isn't. Oh, I can tell you that a meeting isn't more important than church or the spirit of the moving God. The church is here for, 
you to come to get taught the truth and to get the help that you need for God. It's time that we start getting uncomfortable a little and start praising our almighty God. Get out of our comfort zones and worship and call out to our God like never before. God wants to let it rain. He's just waiting on us. We have to seek after him hardly. He's waiting on us to get serious with him. We need to pray more because I believe when we pray and believe in God, the spirit starts flowing. The atmosphere will start to change. Miracles will take place. Doctors will be confused because of what God is doing. And who loves us so much that he died for us? He did. You want the dry place to receive rain, pray for it. God wants to do a great mighty move, but we have to seek after the rain. God, open the floodgates and let your spirit move. There's people in here that need a healing. People in here are struggling. Everyone does. I'm struggling myself. And God is the only one that can take care of that in an instant. The good thing about God is that you can talk to him about anything at all, good or bad, and he's there to listen. And I just want to close tonight by saying this. If you want God to let it rain like never before, we have to begin to pray more and take God seriously. Because the world is ending right now. The world is coming to an end is what I'm trying to say. And... We have, to pray before, we have to pray and seek for more powerful services because of the, pri- the power of prayer can have someone that you've never seen before walk into this church for the first time and receive help. And you yourself can also receive the biggest blessing. And that is all that I have for you. I don't know about you, but I feel like both of those messages from Adriana and Alex kind of went hand in hand, right? He's waiting on us to make a move, to call on the rain, you know? We need to be praying, we need to be sowing, asking God to send that rain. He's waiting for us to make a move. I also want to bring just a little topic that I feel kind of goes hand in hand with this too, is that we were made for this. That's going to be my topic tonight. I don't know if there's any baseball fans in here. Um, If you guys have talked to me at all, you probably know already I'm a Cubs fan. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about the Cubs tonight. Um, There's been a lot of talk, though, a lot of excitement in baseball this year about the Triple Crown. I'm sure some of you Cardinals fans have followed that a little bit. Paul Goldschmidt is in, like, second or third in the home run, RBI, and average category. And if any of you are big baseball fans like me, you might have saw Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run last night. He's leading the league in home runs by, like, 20. He's leading the league in RBIs by, like, 30. And he is up by one point in batting average in the American League. So right now, he is a current Triple Crown winner. People like that, guys like Paul Goldschmidt, Aaron Judge, probably been playing baseball since they were two, three, four years old, and probably had a natural ability to be a good baseball player. And people probably told him, you were made for this. This is what you were meant to do. You're meant to go out onto a field, hit a ball, and watch it go a long way, or make that scoop at first base or make that diving catch in center field so many times from an early age we are told that we are made for something whether we you know like to fix cars and we pick that up from an early age or for me I like to talk so my mom said I should be a lawyer but I'm a little lazy for all of that schooling so I did the next best thing I'm a sales rep so all I do is talk right people say that we're made for different things based on our personalities or our characteristics or our skills And if you're like me, you've probably wondered, why would God create mankind? I'm sure everyone in this room has thought that, right? Think about it for a moment if you haven't. 
the Lord of all the universe, who is self-existing, eternally immortal, and, and lacks absolutely nothing, decided that he wanted to have and make something out of us. What was that perfect? Perfect. We know that God is self-sufficient on his own. Why did he need somebody else? He has always chosen, though, to reveal his glory through his creation. That's why we were created today, was to reveal his glory. And we see that by him creating us to reveal his glory, one thing that he's also done with all of his creation is he's given us free will on what we can do. And that's referenced, obviously, as well, even with the angels in Job, when we, you know, read about Lucifer, you know, or excuse me, Revelations, where we see that uh, we see some of the angels and Lucifer himself rebel from God. God created us to show his glory, but he also gave us the right for free will. So that gives us something where we have to make decisions on who we're going to be. Um, Isaiah 43, 7 says, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. And Isaiah 43, 21, a little bit further down says, I have made Israel for myself, and they will someday honor me before the whole world. Both of these verses speak to the fact that mankind was made with a purpose. That is important to remember because anyone who believes that there really is no creator would also have to believe that there is no purpose in life. When an inventor sets out to create a device, he starts with a purpose before he digs deep into the details of what that device would look like. Imagine this. Before we had smartphones or anything and someone decided, I'm going to take this rock and I'm going to make it look like a phone. Is it really going to work? At the end of the day, you're still going to have a rock. There has to be purpose behind the design. You have to make sure you have all the right things, all the right technology, all the right tools to make a smartphone. You can't simply just grab something random and make something. God has done the same thing with us. He has created us with a perfect design, and that is first and foremost to worship him. After that, it is also meant for us to go out and be, you know, people that talk about God, people that, you know, reach out to this world. All of creation has always had a purpose that revolves around revealing the majesty of God. Whether it's bright colored flowers, crystal clear oceans, and steep mountains that show the creativity and the beauty of God's power. Psalms 19, 1 and 3 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound, a word. Their voice is never heard. So again, even the skies and what lies beyond our world speak to his glory and his craftsmanship. They do so without saying a word because that is their design. And, and they follow the determination of their purpose. We are one of the few, if actually probably the only creation on earth that is able to speak and give our praise through that. We're able to clap our hands. We're able to stomp our feet or dance. We're able to use our voice to sing. No other living thing has those abilities to praise and worship like we can. He specifically designed us with the intelligence to where we are and how we can uniquely worship and praise his name whereas other creatures simply do it indirectly without knowing what they're doing. Such a reason with, you know, they don't really know. But we have a reason, we have a purpose. And you're probably like, well, that's pretty obvious. Why are you talking about that? Well, for me, I don't know about you, but so often in life, we forget that we're made with a purpose. So often in life, like today, I talked to you about it today. I drove, I was in St. Louis this morning. 
Then I had work meetings until 1 o'clock. And then I got here, was home for 20 minutes, and I came straight to the church. I'll be honest, this morning I'm like, oh, church tonight, really? It had to be this week while I'm in St. Louis with all these things? I don't really want to do that tonight. I, I would rather just go sit on the couch. I have a work training to do actually after this. So my mind can be all over the place. But we have to have that reality check that, yes, there are other things that we have to do in our life. Yes, there are things that are going to pull us in different directions. But without fault, we are here to praise the name of God. We are here to worship and to show his glory. If we're not doing that, then we're not living in our purpose. If we're not doing that, but we're going to church on Sunday and Thursday. I said Thursday because that's what I'm used to going to church on. It's Wednesday. So if we're going to church Sunday, Wednesday, maybe you're going to Bible Connect, but you're just running through the motions and you're not actually changing anything in your life, eventually you'll be like, ah, I could miss Wednesday. Okay, I missed three Wednesdays in a row, but I'm coming on Sunday. It's okay. I'll get my blessing there. But then we don't carry it again Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Eventually we'll fall away. Eventually the things of the world that are always trying to get our attention will finally get our attention enough to where we turn away from God. The world is always telling us that we're good at something, like I said. I don't know about you, but again, being in sales, you have to talk. It's a lot of no's, so when you get a yes, you're pretty excited about it. I feel pretty good. I got my first sale this week in my new job, and I'm like, yes. A couple more of those, maybe I won't have to go to St. Louis every week for training. So I'm like, okay, start feeling pretty good about yourself, right? We have to make sure. It's natural for us to want to feel like we're self-fulfilled. But we have to make sure that we never feel self-fulfilled because that's a lie from the enemy. When we start feeling self-fulfilled, that's again where we turn away from God. We forget what our purpose is. We start listening to the world when they're telling you that we're good at this or that we should pursue that. When at the end of the day, we weren't created for self-fulfillment. We weren't created to fall in love with someone. We weren't created to enjoy hobbies. Not saying that any of these things are wrong. Obviously, I'm married. I have hobbies. I love golf. I love baseball. You heard that already tonight? But that's not what we were created for. We weren't created. I wasn't created to be a salesman, even though people told me I should do something like that. You know? People get that way. They get so wrapped up in the things that they do in their life that they forget that our purpose was to serve God. And the reason that is so dangerous to get caught up in is because we have an enemy that wants our soul. And the reason the devil wants us so bad is because, one, we've been given a second chance where he wasn't. And, two, we've taken his place. He was the worship leader. He was the way that they worshiped. That's why he's come at us from the very beginning. That's why the story starts, Adam and Eve. Shortly thereafter, they're tempted. Humans are tempted right away because the devil is jealous of who we are and what we can do. Again, that's why he tempted him. He couldn't stand seeing mankind bringing glory to God by living perfectly in the garden. So he tempts first the man and then the woman, hoping that God will destroy mankind. By doing so, we, we can do that. It can happen. We feed into pride. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. They fed into pride. They wanted to know as much as God. We have to make sure that we stay away from that. We have to make sure that we understand that God, the devil is coming for us today. And that it's our sole purpose is to bring glory to God today. R.C. Sproul once said, if our knowledge of God is superficial, our worship will be superficial. I've mentioned this a couple times in some of our leadership you know, meetings since I've been here. 
there are two things that I want to get across as a youth pastor. One, love God, pretty simple. But to really love God, you have to have a relationship with him. We've been in relationships, right? Probably before you're married. You find out real quick if you like someone or you don't by getting to know them. They can't, you know, relationships can't go far if you don't know anything about someone. They're just superficial. They're vain. So it's so important that we learn that we have to stand on something, and that is the word of God, that we focus on what God really wants us to be and how he can use us. Also, so many times in life, I know I did as a teenager, we get caught up in the idea that God can't use us where we're at. But it's not too early in our young people's lives to be used. God can give you purpose today and start using you tomorrow if you would just simply just follow after God. Sometimes he calls us to preach. Sometimes he calls us to Sunday school ministry. And sometimes those things don't happen tomorrow, but he plans out processes to get us to that point. In our youth class, we've been talking a lot about David and Saul. You know, David, someone at 15 years old, maybe 16, was anointed to be king. And I don't know about you, but if I was anointed to be king... I would want that to happen pretty quick, or I would at least expect that to happen pretty quick. And then, you know, he has his great triumph of Goliath. He's probably thinking, man, it's ready to go. I'm go time. I'm going to be the king because everybody loves me. The people are chanting my name, telling me that I slay tens of thousands while the other king's just, you know, slaying, what, hundreds or something like that? But we read, if you know the story of David, there's like a 15 to 20 year gap before the kingdom is fully formed and he's fully king. There's trials, there's tribulations that we go through in life because God has a purpose for us, but there are also times in between where he can still use us where we're at, but he's planning to make sure that we can have everything and that we're equipped when it's time for us to step into those different ministries. I was talking to some of the youth today. They're talking about, you know, trying to see who wants to do a fiery five you know, in the next next youth service or help out in different categories. And they're like, oh, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, that's okay. I didn't speak in a church until I was like 19, 20 years old because I was too scared to speak, you know, when I was 14, 15. But that, again, is a lie from the enemy. The devil wants to try to you know, put thoughts and things in our head saying that we can't do things because he's trying to stall our purpose or try to push us off that path. We have to make sure, again, today that we value a relationship with God. We have to make sure today that we don't let those, those thoughts of doubt creep in. Or again, I talked about this when I was here in July. Something for me is I have trouble being present in the moment. Again, back to my work thing. I'm doing training right now. So people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, I just want to get to October. Once I'm in October, I probably won't have to go to St. Louis every week and everything in my life's just going to take off the way I want it to. Those of you that have those thoughts probably know that's usually not the way it turns out in life. So instead of me wanting to be so caught up in getting three, four, five weeks down the road, I need to be focused on the present right now and how God can use me right now. There are coworkers that I am seeing every day in St. Louis that don't know who God is. They don't have any idea that there is a Savior. They may be hurting. They may be broken. I don't know what's going on in their life but I can be a vessel to be used right now where I'm at. The same can be said for every young person in this place. We get caught up in the ideas. Maybe you're a senior this year in high school, 
or maybe you already have it in your mind in a couple years when you graduate that you're going to go to Bible college and your ministry is going to take off once you get to Bible college. You're like, oh, I got to get trained on how to speak. I got to get trained on how to do this and that, which all of that is great. And I hope as many people that feel called to go to Bible college, go to Bible college because it's a great thing and it will help enhance your ministry. But if we're waiting just for that, then we're missing out on opportunities that we have right now in this place. We're missing out on opportunities to show his glory in this place. Every single one of us have lost family members. Every single one of us have lost friends that are in this town. And it's our responsibility, not just something that if you want to do it, it's our responsibility to at least reach out to them, at least give them a chance. And people are going to say no. It happens. People say no. But if we do everything we can in this moment, God will bless that. If we follow after him like with everything that we have, he can use us in this place. It may not feel like that's what you're called to do or that's what your ministry is going to be in the future, but God wants to use us and he can mold you and he can shape you by doing that right now. That is one of my greatest regrets as a high school you know, person. I went to a school with like two other people that went to church. And most of the time I walked the halls hoping that people didn't ask me about God, wishing that they wouldn't know that I was a Christian. You know, getting invited to things on Sunday and having to like, like, oh, you know, maybe after church, you know, like, but I would trail off when I'd say things like that, you know. I remember bringing a friend to church. I think I talked about this too. And, but I was bringing him for the wrong reasons. I wanted to play video games, wanted to play Halo with him on Saturday nights till like three in the morning, drink Mountain Dew. And, but he would come to church with me because he would stay the night with me on Saturday. And I would pray. I'd be like, God, just move a little bit, but make sure that it's not anything that he'll think is too weird. And that went okay for like six or seven months. But eventually, God hit me with the Holy Spirit, and I fell right back in my chair. And if you guys know me at all, I'm not one that moves around that much. So for me to be falling out in the Spirit was like, okay, God showed me, you know. But it was my mentality. I had a weak mentality. I had a mentality that wasn't after purpose. It was self-absorbed, like, God, I don't want people to think I'm weird. God, I don't want, you know, don't know if I even know what's going on with this because I didn't have a relationship. Yes, I had encounters where God touched me. Yes, I had encounters at convention where I felt called to ministry, but because I didn't follow after that purpose, because I didn't establish a relationship with God until I was 19 years old, I missed out on several years where God could have used me. So maybe you're in that spot today. Maybe you haven't fully committed to who God is. Maybe you're like I was when I was a teenager, someone who goes to men's conference, someone that goes to ladies' conference, someone that goes to youth convention or camp and has these great encounters with God and feels like you're called, but you don't know what to do. It's pretty simple. We just have to get in the word. We have to learn how to pray because the Bible can be a difficult book to read without prayer it's going to be hard for us to navigate through that. But once we start praying and we start meditating and we start thinking about the word of God, that's where God starts to reveal himself through those pages. So I don't know where anybody's at in this place today, but if you're in a spot where you feel like you're right on the cusp of, you know, in between, you know, maybe you're going to go after God with all your heart or maybe you're not. I urge you to just get into the book, get into a walk with God because we need that at this point. 
I'm going to invite everybody to stand. I'm going to invite Pastor up at this moment to close us out, but I just want to say a quick prayer. Lord God, I thank you for being in this place today, God. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done so far in this service today, God. And I pray, Lord God, that we would just continue to follow after you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just show us our path, Lord God, and that we wouldn't forget that our purpose is to solely worship you, Lord God, and that we're, we were created to show your glory today, God. How many of you want that in your life? You want to show forth the purpose that God has called you to. I'd like for us to close everyone praying. Why don't you come around the front and make a commitment? We're going to sing a song. And as we do, why don't you make a commitment, a response to the word? It's not enough to be hearers only, but we must be doers also. We come to the front and say, I'm going to lift my hands and my voice and make a commitment to the Lord to follow after the purpose and the plan that He has for me. Come on, make a commitment. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Why don't you take advantage of this opportunity tonight? Say, here I am, Lord. Show me my purpose. Help me to fulfill my purpose. I give myself. I give myself. Come on, that's it. Everybody tonight. This isn't just for those that are young. It's young and old alike. God, show us our purpose.